0: Welcome back to Rough in the Basket. I'm your host, Brandon Carr. No Noah Burnt this week again. That is okay, though. Glad that he came on last week. Glad, you know, he had some free time to come on and whatnot and kind of fire off some of his takes. But unfortunately, he's busy once again. But that is okay. I'm here to hold it down once again. So I'm not going to be starting off with NFL today. Uh, the NBA. I'm starting it off with the NBA today. And we have one topic to talk about. I think you guys might know what that is already because, wow, Woj Bomb on a freaking Wednesday afternoon in September before the NBA preseason has even started. Damian Lillard, finally, finally, thank God the saga is finally over. We don't have to hear about Damian Willard trade rumors once ever again at this point. He has been traded, not to the Miami Heat, but to the Milwaukee Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks. There's a three-team deal. Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton. So the Phoenix Suns were involved in this. Tumani Kamara, a 2029 unprotected Milwaukee first-round pick, and an unprotected Milwaukee swap rights in 2028 and 2030 to the Portland Trailblazers. And then Phoenix, like I mentioned, they had traded DeAndre Ayton. They were got involved in this deal. DeAndre Ayton goes to the Portland Trailblazers. And the Phoenix Suns get Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nazir Little, and Keon Johnson. And obviously, Damian Lillard is a Milwaukee Buck. And I mean, my first initial reaction to this when I saw this was wow. Like, I was so surprised about it. Um, I was pretty certain that Damian Lillard at some point was going to go to Miami. It didn't end up happening. And now he's a Milwaukee Buck. He teams up with Giannis onto the Kumpo. Um, Chris Middleton obviously still being there Brooke Lopez still being there, Drew Holiday no longer in the picture, he's with the Portland Trailblazers but wow man Uh, yeah I mean when you just look at this duo like first things first is I do believe that this could be potentially the best duo in the NBA, I think it might already well we obviously have to see it play out but this duo is going to be awesome, I mean this is, I think, what Giannis has been lacking in a teammate throughout his career because, I mean, Damian Lillard is one of the best shooters we've ever seen in the NBA. I mean, it's point-blank, simple as that. Uh, he's a fantastic three-point shooter. He can shoot it from basically anywhere. Uh, he obviously spaces the floor, and now you add that component to this Bucks offense, which I don't think they really had in the Giannis era. Uh, how do you stop the pick-and-roll? Like, like seriously, like how do you stop the pick-and-roll with Damian Willard? And with Giannis onto the Koopa, like, I just obviously defensively it takes a hit with Drew Holiday not no longer being in the picture. Damian Lillard is not really a great defender, so you can kind of, you know, target him, I guess, if you want to say. Um, on the if you're a team on the offensive end, but yeah, this is, I mean, just looking at it from the Milwaukee perspective, yeah, th- this this absolutely should make them like i would say top three title contender in the nba like uh damian lower is going to change things and it's going to be super fun to watch because damian what damian lower had average like 30 plus points per game last year like he still has it he's still yeah i know like he's been he had been dealing with injuries i think the year uh, the year prior but this is a guy who again is going to space the floor for Giannis. like you run that pick and roll Giannis is going to roll to the basket. You have all the attention on Giannis. He could just kick it out to Damian Lillard, who might have a great look like that just makes it super hard to defend. And I have been saying that for a while. I think like, that's why I was so afraid of Giannis of like making his way to golden state once upon a time. Like I thought that that offense would be ridiculous and so unbelievably like impossible to stop. So we have a little bit of that here with Willard and Giannis. I mean, the offensive, offensively, it's just going to be so awesome. Uh, you I mean you can kind of hope that maybe the rest of the crew can kind of hide Damian Lillard's deficiencies. I mean, on the defensive end, I guess that's the biggest thing. But Drew Holiday, like, he was someone in the playoffs last year that really did not perform up to expectations. He was kind of almost a liability on the offensive end of the floor. And I mean, now you have somebody that you know is going to come through in those moments and someone who's going to be, you know, a consistent performer, a highly, you know, co- like a highly consistent performer on a, on a nightly basis. So, yeah, this is going to be really fun, guys. I'm very excited to watch this duo, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing what they do. Giannis, obviously you know, the big thing with him was, oh, like, does he want to stay in Milwaukee? Like, and his big, his big thing was if they don't build if they're up, if this team isn't a championship caliber roster, like, you know, maybe, you know, he decides that he wants to leave. I know it was, some, he said something along the lines of if the Milwaukee, or if this team can't produce like a championship caliber roster, then maybe those are conversations that we can start having. Um, I know I'm butchering that, but that's basically what he said about it. And now, you know, now you have now you have a player like Damian Lillard, who which I feel like these two kind of manifested this happening. I mean, there was a tweet that was a little bit viral going around, and I guess some fan had asked Damian Lillard, like, which current NBA player would you choose to be your teammate? And he said Giannis, and it was like in 2022. So I think these two have been kind of manifesting this. Uh, I think in Giannis I think there were some times where he also felt the same way. I feel like he also said he wanted to play with Damian Lillard. And now we're going to see it in Milwaukee. I mean, the Bucks. this is, I mean, this is going to be, a, this is a really great opening for them to kind of go and try and win their second championship with Giannis and companies. So we'll see how, how it works out so for the Celtics point of view, obviously. Be me being a Celtics fan, this definitely sucks. Uh, it's going to be a tough road. We usually play Milwaukee pretty good though, so we'll see how it works. Damian Lillard does kill the Celtics. Uh, whenever we go up against him, but we will see. I do feel confidence that we could possibly win like a six, seven game, like a seven game series. It's probably gonna go seven now, uh, for, without question. But, um, talking about it on the end of the Portland Trailblazers, I mean, it's like you know you get a two thousand twenty nine unprotected Milwaukee first, which that should be good obviously these picks are so far down the road, like 2028, 2030 pick swaps. Like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's so far down the road. And I think Portland's kind of a team that, you know, obviously like they could be the Utah jazz this year and be a team that really surprises and kind of makes like a, like a playoff type of push. Or maybe that's the case, you know, with eight with Drew holiday, with, Anthony Simons with the shade sharp and, and company, but I don't know. I think, um, you know, I think, I think Drew Holiday, I mean, we've already seen rumors of him having, you know, other teams being interested in him. Like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really, he doesn't really fit their timeline. Maybe he kind of is there to be, you know, the Fred Van Vliet of the world. Why the Rockets signed Fred Van Vliet was to get that veteran presence in the locker room. Maybe Drew Holiday can kind of be that for the, for the uh, Portland Trailblazers. kind of help them out and maybe they're a surprise team that nobody expects to be really good like I could absolutely see that I mean I think they have some pretty decent pieces on that roster so I think that's I I wouldn't say that's out of the question without um I wouldn't say that's out of the question at all uh for them to be pretty decent but obviously the big thing is just having those draft picks you have DeAndre Ayton who's he's been I mean he's been getting, getting floated around being traded for so long now we've been dating back to last year he wasn't happy and he finally gets his wish, you know, hopefully the number one overall former number one, overall pick and kind of, you know, really kind of put it together. I mean, he's been a solid NBA starting center, but obviously he has never really lived up to that number one pick uh, stature, but you know, maybe this is kind of his opportunity to kind of do that. And, you know, maybe the Portland Tribblers should be a team that could be kind of fun to watch. Like we'll see. I mean, Willard was, I mean, there were the Toronto Raptors were interested. I, I saw they weren't willing to give up OG on Anobi. That was kind of their biggest thing. And then obviously, I mean, the Celtics, I guess, were interested in Damien Willard. That, that never really kind of came up to fruition at all. And obviously, Miami was, you know, pegged as the team that Willard was going to get traded to. And now he's with Milwaukee. It's crazy still. And then for Phoenix, I really like it. Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns, like when they traded for Bradley Beal and they just had. Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and uh, Devin Booker before like the free agency period started. Really, we were kind of saying, like, this bench is not good, like, they don't have a good bench. And I was under the, I was one saying, like, I I mean, obviously, I'm not the only one saying it, but I mean, my opinion was like, they should try trading DeAndre Ayton and get some depth pieces to this team. And they did a pretty good job in free agency. I thought they brought in some really good pieces for them, but now. Yusuf Nurkic comes in Grayson Allen comes in Nazir Little comes in and Keon Johnson comes in they have a legit like this is a legit team now like there's some there's you know it's starting to come into fruition there's you know there's uh depth to this team now and now they kind of have like a good you know like nine to ten man rotation in there so like I mean the Phoenix Suns obviously if they stay healthy they're gonna be right in that conversation like I believe they're you know, uh, like a team that's definitely top five in NBA title contender hopes, you know, like they're, they're right in that conversation. And now, you know, you finally can kind of dump off DeAndre Ayton you can get some, some depth pieces. And this is a team that I I really like what they've been doing. Like ever since they traded for Bradley Beal, I mean, I was like, how is this going to work out? They don't really have a bench. Obviously they really don't have a starting point guard still. I don't think so maybe that's going to be a problem, but uh you know, this is going to be, I mean, now they have, like, an actual, like, depth, there's depth, and there's a bench there for them, like, I think that's huge, and obviously, like, when you have a team that, you know, like, those bench contributions make a big difference in the postseason, like, you know, you just think about some great bench performers, and, you know, having those guys come in and make plays, like, you need to have that, so your superstars can, you know, rest when they need to, or whatever it may be, but, yeah I, I really like what I mean I pretty much like what every team did I mean maybe the Portland Blazers could have gotten a little bit more for Damian Willard at the end of the day but you know it's still it's still pretty good I, I really like what the Phoenix Suns did and obviously Milwaukee just inserted themselves if they weren't already as a top three title contender in the NBA like they're going to be right there and It just makes me super excited for basketball. Basketball is literally right around the corner, guys. Like, it's crazy to kind of think about that basketball is like a month away, basically, you know. And it's just crazy that we're gonna be doing some basketball, more basketball, and roughing the basket. I think at some point we'll preview the season or whatnot, but whatever, we'll we'll get to that. But I want to get into some football. Um, again, you know the NFL week, you just think like, oh, like it can't get any more crazier. It gets crazier um this was an insane week of football and honestly like let's just start it off with probably the craziest game of the entire week the miami dolphins 70 burger they dropped 70 points in an nfl game what 70 points like how in the world did this team like I mean, like, I, I was looking at, like, the, the box score. I'm like, oh, my God, they they have 35 points at halftime. They're on pace for 70, but there's no way they're going to get 70 points, right? 70 points. Um, They had, like, they broke the NFL record for the most total yards. They had, like, 300-something passing yards, 300 rushing yards. It was an all-around performance. Like, I just – I really have to tip my cap to Mike McDaniel. Like, he's really a legit – play designer, schemer. Like the, they he I he's legit. And, you know, coming from that Kyle Shanahan tree, you gotta be good at offense. And he's really, I mean, it's putting this deep putting deep uh, like defensive coordinators in hell. I mean, the motion stuff they do with Tyreek Hill and I mean they do it even with like River Crawcraft, And I saw it with Braxton Berrios. Like I mean Jay Waddle even play in this game. They just still dropped 70 points. Like it's just insane to me that they did this, and the Russian attack is so good. Like, Devon A-Chain, hello, welcome to the NFL, Devon A-Chain. He dropped 200-plus yards on the ground, and he had, what, he had four touchdowns, Raheem Mostert have four touchdowns. I mean, it was it was just absolutely insane to watch. Like, it was just, it was a complete beatdown of the, the Denver Broncos, who honestly, I'll, I'll say it. I think it was the worst defensive performance in the history of the NFL. I'm, I'm pretty confident that that was definitely the worst defensive performance in the history of the NFL. They missed, so I was doing some research. So they made 55 tackles. They tackled a Miami Dolphins offensive player 55 times. They missed 24 tackles. 24 tackles they missed as a team. So you do the math. You add those two up divided by two they missed a tackle 39.5 percent of the time when attempting a tackle on a Dolphins offensive player what (laughs) what like that to me is just absolutely insane that basically almost half the time they were missing a tackle and I mean and you just turn on the film there was I mean there was nothing to be excited about like there was they were missing tackles they were getting blown back by blocks like there was just nothing this Miami I mean this Denver Broncos defense literally had no in nothing like and you look at their PFF grades I'm not a big PFF grade guy but their highest like I think their highest graded player was like a 71 grade like that's so bad there's so many guys that are in the 40s and the 30s and 20s like it was just that bad of a defensive performance. Like, it really might be the worst defensive performance of all time. I am happy for Mike McDaniel because, I mean, he was the ball boy, obviously, for the Denver Broncos. He had put in to interview with the with the Denver Broncos. They never gave him an interview, and he just dropped 70 points on their head. You know, Sean Payton had been talking about, you know, I, th- I think he had said something about two o last year. I forget exactly what he said. I mean, obviously, you know, yeah, the Nathaniel Hackett comments and all that stuff, and he, I mean, he just got 70 points dropped on his head. Like, I don't know how Vance Joseph has a job. And I mean, Vance Joseph is a fine coach, but how do you escape a 70-point bo- – like, you drop, your defense just dropped 70 points and there was just no effort. Like, I don't know how you escape and not lose your job off of that. I mean, obviously, I hope he doesn't lose his job, but, I mean, that's just a situation where it's like – like, how do you escape that? You know, um, it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. And, you know, Miami's just a wagon this year. I think they're absolutely, I don't know about their defense still. I'm still skeptical about that. I thought their defense would be a lot better, but it hasn't been the greatest defense in the world. I mean, they did a decent job against the Broncos offense for the most part. I mean, they only gave up 20 points. I mean, they were just kind of firing on all cylinders, I guess, if you want to just say that, but um hopefully, you know, they can kind of turn things around. I mean, Russell Wilson's been playing fine, but holy crap, that defense got just gashed. And they got gashed the week before to Sam Howell and the Commanders. Like, I don't think people are talking about that too. Like, they, they, I don't know. This Denver Broncos defense is definitely, they were a good defense last year, but my goodness, they are not a good defense. They might be one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, And just seeing that performance, it's like, how do you, like how do you recover from that? Like how do you like go into the next week and you are a team that had just given up 70 points to a team? Like that's only happened what three times in the history of the NFL? Four. Like there I know they were like they could have kicked a field goal to break the record. I do respect Mike McDaniel for not doing it because you know you're you're not you're showing some sort of sportsmanship. And you know, I, I guess I guess I understand that. So I kind of respect it on that end. I don't know if I would have done the same thing if like dude if there's a record for me to have the most points in the history of an NFL game I think I got to take it but I do respect it for not for not doing it though but it's it's just it's bonkers bonkers I I mean just watching the film on that game like I mean Miami just had them in hell like it was literally hell like they couldn't they were not getting good angles on tackles they were missing tackles there was a a viral picture and there was probably like five broncos players on the ground i think it was like devon achene was like running and literally like five De- broncos defensive players are like on the turf it was i mean it was just insane to watch like it's seriously insane to watch um but yeah honestly i don't i don't know if i want to talk about the game any longer because i mean i feel bad for the broncos fans honestly i just feel really bad that you know, your team gave up 70 points, and I don't know if things are ever going to get better. I mean, Sean Payton, like, you know, is his heart all the way there? I don't know. I mean, he got – I know the, Wal- the new ownership group, the people that own Walmart, gave him, like, an absolute bag to be the head NFL head coach for the Denver Broncos. They're 0-3, and his defense just gave up 70 points. Like, I don't know. But, like, Denver, it's uh, some dark times over there in Denver, and – it's not great. I just have to say it, it's not great. But I want to talk about this game. Houston Texans, 37-17 to against the Jaguars. Shout out to CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud is good. And, you know, I know when I was doing like my film analysis, I'm like, all right, he could be like a Jared Goff type of guy who can have some good seasons. But if he doesn't have great things around him, maybe it's not that great. Uh, CJ Stroud played phenomenal. And I think he's actually, I think there's more upside to that than just Jared Goff. Like he can absolutely be a top 10 quarterback in the league. He played phenomenal. He was making some great throws. Tank Dell had a monster game and then Nico Collins had a monster game the the week prior. So they, those, those are his two, you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two right there. Playing really good. Uh, CJ Stroud's pretty good. I mean, he had two touchdowns. He had 280 yards. He had one big time throw in this game. His A dot was 8.6. Like, I mean, he he played phenomenal. Uh, CJ Stroud was really good in this game. And I really have to just hit my cap to him. I think he's he's in that conversation to be rookie of the year. I think he, uh, him, Cam Newton, and Justin Herbert are the only three rookies to have like 900 total yards in their first three career games. So he's in pretty good company. I mean, Justin Herbert won rookie of the year, Cam Newton won rookie of the year. I think CJ Stroud might be in that conversation to win rookie of the year. And and the Houston Texans, they got a bright future. I, I really I really am excited to see how this Texans team kind of develops throughout the season, how they'll look next year. Uh, I think they're I think they're right in that conversation. They seem to be a really good roster. It's you know, I I, I just, am real, I'm really, really impressed with the Houston Texans and what they kind of put out there. And, you know, I mean, I, I thought that they would be, what, like a 5-1 team I think I had them at. I think they could win a little bit more than that, especially with how good C.J. Stroud's playing. I did not expect C.J. Stroud to be good already. And he's good. He's good. I didn't think he had a good team around him. I really didn't. I didn't think Nico Collins and Tank Dell were going to get the job done, but they're getting the job done. And that's just, that's wheels up for this team. Uh, They're going to be a super fun team to watch. But I quickly want to talk about the other side of things. Trevor Lawrence, I know he hasn't been perfect, but I just want to point something out. So his intended targets have dropped a league high nine passes so far in the first three weeks. And Trevor Lawrence is leading the league in big time throws. So say, do with that with, with what you will. His receivers have not been great. and I mean, Calvin Ridley outside that first week hasn't really looked that great. He's had a, he had a drop in this game. It should have been a touchdown. You think about the Chiefs game the week prior. If people had just gotten their feet down and bounds, it would be a lot different. His receivers are not catching passes, and I think that's something that should change. I think it'll eventually. It'll eventually uh, even itself out, and it'll change. But Right now, it's it's definitely a detriment to this team because I mean, Trevor Lawrence, you get the box score. He threw one touchdown, he to had a pick. I mean, he had a big time throw in this game. He had a turnover worthy play in this game. A. was seven point one. Like, I mean, I don't know. I just I look at it and I think he hasn't been perfect. His like EPA plus CPOE is like twenty seventh in the NFL, so he hasn't been perfect. He was my MVP pick. I'm not worried yet. I do think this, this team can turn things around. It's so early in the season. We're only going into week four. Um, You know, I I just think that his team needs to, I think his receivers need to be a little bit more better and be able to catch the ball and not drop it. Like I think those are things that can happen as time goes on. I think they can, you know, be a little bit more comfortable and whatnot, but yeah, I don't want to, I don't, want to put it all on Trevor Warren's I do think that that definitely plays a factor and I think he's been playing fine but obviously it has been perfect but I'm not worried about the Jaguars at all I think they'll I think they'll figure things out and you know I think you know that this team is still really good they're going to be playing in London this week against the Falcons usually where they play in London they play pretty good so I do think this is like a get-back game for them um against a pretty good opponent in the Falcons but yeah, I just think, you know, with Trevor Lawrence and company, like the drops haven't been I mean, haven't been great. Like nine drops already for the first 3 weeks, so there's three drops a game right there. Those are three, you know, those three plays a game could be three plays that can decide an entire outcome of a game. Like it could be a third down they drop or a touchdown they drop. Like the Calvin Ridley one was a touchdown he dropped it. Like I don't know. So I just uh I look at that and I'm like it could definitely be you know, I definitely think there's room for them to improve, and Houston, I think, always just kind of plays Jacksonville really well, and they didn't even they had I mean, Derek Stingley's on IR, RIP. That sucks. I, I thought he was gonna have a breakout season this year. Um, pretty much their entire defense, like a lot of their secondary, is on IR, so um, or injured. So, yeah, but um, I want to talk about the Vikings and the Chargers game. Uh. Justin Herbert is, well, first of all, actually, before I talk about Justin Herbert, I want to talk about the Vikings defense. Um, I know Brian Flores likes to blitz. I understand that. And I know Trevor Lawrence got blitzed. Like, it was, I think, like 80-something percent of the time on his dropbacks, he was getting blitzed. You got to change things up. Like, I know Brian Flores likes to blitz, and that's kind of his thing but it's getting the Vikings defense gashed. Justin Herbert had 405 yards, three touchdowns. Keenan Allen, hello. Uh, I don't, he, he might be still a little bit washed on his athletic, athletic prowess, but he was cooking. I mean, 215 receiving yards on 18 catches. What's the NFL record? Like 21 grabs? He was like three or four. He was like three away from tying it, four to to break it, like. This team, if the Vikings had, you know, if this if this one it went into overtime or something, like he the record probably would have been broken. Um, I think Keenan Allen was doing a really good job of just, you know, understanding the holes and the zones, or just just being a guy that can get open still. Like he he's still super smart and he knows how to be quarterback friendly. I think his I do think his athleticism is still pretty much gashed at this point, but I mean he still proved to be. You know, a receiver that could be trustworthy. And, I mean, 18 catches up 215 yards is absolutely a performance we should not scoff at. Unfortunately, Mike Williams did tear his ACL in this game. That is a brutal one. Um, You lose Mike Williams, Mike Williams just can't stay healthy. And that's an obviously an ACL injury. Is One of the worst injuries you can suffer. Maybe this means the emergence of uh of Quentin Johnston. Maybe he gets more involved in this offense. I do think we'll see a lot more Josh Palmer, who had a touchdown and sixty-six yards in this game. Um, I'm sure, like I, I, I know this is being recorded after your waiver wire um has been has gone through, but I think Josh Palmer should absolutely be a guy you should be looking at if you haven't already, and then maybe you you've gotten ahead of the curve and you've already picked him up. But yeah, it's um that's a big loss though for Mike Williams uh not being on this Chargers team now for the rest of the season. Uh, but, I mean, Justin Herbert played great. I don't think it's really been Justin Herbert's fault, though. You know, like, whatever the Chargers, however the Chargers have lost, maybe Justin Herbert could have made some more plays at the end of the day. But people being like, oh, it's all on him, all on him. It's his fault. What is he doing? I mean, he had a 400-yard game, three touchdowns, and he was able to just diagnose that blitz. And he was making some great throws in this game. He was just doing his thing, so. You have to give credit where credit is due. Hopefully they can get Austin that back. It would be great for my fantasy football team if he can come back, but yeah, and, and this Vikings team, I mean, Kirk Cousins just still puts, still continues to put up great numbers. Like, Kirk Cousins has been awesome this year. Like, he legitimately has been great. Uh, They've been, he, they've been playing great. Justin Jefferson's still, you know, playing as, like, one of the best receivers in the NFL. 149 receiving yards, seven catches. Like, He's been balling Uh, and he's, I mean, right now you can argue that he might be the front runner for offensive player of the year. Still, like he might go back to back. Like he's been playing that good. Uh, And you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. And yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins has been playing some great football. They, I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll end up trading Kirk Cousins, but you never know. Maybe the jets call, they offer some sort of package that they can't refuse I don't know how it would work on the salary cap end of things, but hey, man, Kirk Cousins has been balling, dude. He's been playing some freaking awesome football. Uh, He had a big-time throw in this game. No turnover-worthy plays at all. Like, he had one interception, but he's just been playing some great football. Like, I really have to give him some credit. I really do. He's been playing some great ball, and, you know, the Vikings just, the defense hasn't been really that great. The offensive line really hasn't been that great at all, and, I do think that that stuff definitely matters. Like, Kirk Cousins, I think, was pressured like 18 times in this game. Oh, that's insane. He's sacked four times. Like, they're not really giving him a lot to work with there. Obviously, his, I don't want to say it's his receiver's fault. His receiver's been playing great. Obviously, Jefferson's been playing great. Jordan Addison's been playing pretty good. And TJ Hawkinson's been playing pretty good. But, I mean, just looking at it, uh, you know, it, the, the rest of this team is not really performing up to expectations. So, Maybe they I would love if this was a sneaky Caleb Williams team. I mean, Kirk Cousins. I don't think is gonna be a Viking next year. Maybe they decide to re-sign him, but the way they've looked this year, I'm not too so sure about that. Well, we will see though. Um, we could talk briefly about the Packers and Saints game. Jordan Love rallying the Packers back down 17 to zero in the fourth quarter, put up 18 points in the fourth quarter to beat the Saints, who did lose Derek Carr uh to a shoulder injury. Uh it was not gonna be as serious as initially thought, which is great. I know Derek Carr hasn't really playing that great, but I mean Jameis Winston, uh, when he came really came into the game, there wasn't a ton of things to be excited about. Like he played okay. He had 10 completions, um he had he had 62.5% completion percentage. Like he had played fine for the most part, but I mean Derek Carr wasn't playing like out of this world, awesome in this game. I mean, he was okay. He had a touchdown pass and 103 passing yards, 72.2 completion percentage, like, before he went down. But um, Packers, though, is just – I mean, Jordan Love, I think, is legit. Like, he's a legit good player. Like, he, I think – I mean, he's a good quarterback, I think. I think he will be a good quarterback. Like, he's, He's been playing some great football. Packers are 2-1 and one right now. He had 259 passing yards. He had a touchdown, he had an interception, he had a touchdown rush. Uh, he had uh, two big-time throws, two turnover-worthy plays. Uh, I mean, he was, he was pressured 11 times, only sacked once. Like, gotta give him credit where credit is due. Uh, he's been playing pretty good, and, you know, Jordan Love, you just have to tip a cap to him, and, you know, now they're gonna get Christian Watson kind of back in that picture. That's just another weapon that, you know, you can use, and you can kind of get involved in this offense, and Yeah, I mean, the Packers have just been – I mean, that's a gutsy win. Like, coming back down 17-0 in the fourth quarter is not an easy thing to do, especially when your offense hasn't really been getting things going. They didn't have Aaron Jones in this game. Uh, I think their offensive line has been banged up, and Jordan Love still got the job done. Like, got to give the kid credit. Like, he's going to be pretty good, I think. And I think the Packers can definitely feel pretty confident that he's their starting quarterback moving forward. And for the Saints' point of view, like – you know we'll see how they can kind of rebound obviously next week and big one against Tampa Bay that's gonna be fun the fun game to watch of course but um yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be fun but yeah we'll see how they can kind of bounce back from that um Patriots Jets we could talk about that briefly Zach Wilson has gotta go man like I, I Zach Wilson is just I don't know how He's still playing in the NFL. He's clearly just not a good quarterback. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm the only one who who doesn't who believes that. Well, obviously, there's probably a lot of people who also agree with me that he's just not a good quarterback. 157 passing yards, 50 percent completion percentage. Uh, he was. I mean, he didn't have any interceptions in this game, which was pretty surprising. No turnover-worthy plays, but Javon's only dropped ten points. And the Patriots offense wasn't great either. I mean, they had 15, pa- 15 points. Mac Jones was 51.7% completion percent, 201 yards, and a touchdown pass to Farrow Brown, out of all people, who was just able to get past the Jets defense and take it to the house. I mean, that was a crazy play. A um, little bit of busted coverage maybe on that one. But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, for the Jets point of view, you gotta just be frustrated. Like and I understand if there's players that are frustrated right now, like they're just not getting the job done. I mean, I mean it was plain and simple as that. And the running game really didn't get anything going in this game. The Patriots defense was just pretty pretty damn effective in this game. They were they were everywhere, uh, on the defensive end of things. They really have the Jets on number, I think. I think that's the biggest thing and um Whole th- I mean the biggest story of this game was uh nut tap. Like that was the biggest game with thing with Sauce Gardner and Matt Jones. I can't believe that this is gonna be a thing. I don't really have an opinion on it. Maybe I don't like I saw the video and I'm like like, did he do it? I don't really think it matters too much. I mean, will the league look at it? I don't know. I can't believe that's gonna that's the biggest story that's coming out from this game is. And I mean I know Matt Jones has kind of had a history so far in the NFL of having some pretty questionable dirty quote unquote dirty plays. Um but obviously, you know, like when this something like this happens, it's definitely going to be uh looked at a little bit closer. Um it's it's just so funny that that's that's what the the big story of this game was. It was we're talking about did Mac Jones love tap Sauce Gardner. That's the biggest story of the game um and again i don't really have an opinion on it like i don't know like you guys be the judge of that people who watched it a hundred times over i I mean that was literally what was filled on my twitter feed like a couple days ago talking about this one play one thing after a play like whatever i don't really know i don't have an opinion on it um yeah i want to talk about Kansas city and chicago Taylor Swift is taken is the headline, obviously, of this. Like Taylor Swift was at the game, chest bumping Donic, chest bumping people, high-fiving Donna Kelsey sitting next to Donna Kelsey. I'm good for Travis Kelsey. And I I was texting some people about this. I'm like, he's playing chess, not checkers. And then it came out. Well, my reason for saying that was because his I said his jersey sales. I tweeted. I think I said, watch his jersey sales go to number one. It's Spike to 400% of his jersey sales increase. His social media growing, grew. And it was like one of the biggest watch games in Fox for regular season. Like, this all happened. I'm like, Travis Kelsey, good for you, my guy. Like, listen, go chase that bag. Go chase the bag. Like, he really, I said it, I was texting. people. I'm like, he's playing chess, not checkers. He knows by going with Taylor Swift. And maybe he actually, like, if they're at, if they're dating and that they're a real thing, like, congratulations to them. But he knew. He was like, hey, this is the biggest star in the world. Like, I I think Taylor Swift's probably the biggest, like, musician center in the world right now. I definitely believe that. Um, if I go out with her, it's going to get a lot of people to know who I am. People are going to buy my jersey. People are going to know who I am. People are going to follow me. He knew what he was doing, bro. Let him cook. Let him cook. Travis Kelsey knew what he was doing, doing that. I'm telling you. Like, I just thought that was a great idea from him to – well, it's awesome, though. It's awesome to see. Like, I was so shocked because I was like, oh, my God, Taylor Swift's going to be at this game. I saw it, like, maybe like five minutes before we saw it on TV. Well, and behold, she's freaking there. Like, that's crazy. And apparently she's going to be at the game on Sunday against the Jets in MetLife Stadium. They might boo her. I don't know. But we'll see. I don't know. Maybe there's just enough Swifties in the building that the Jets fans were going to boo her because she's going to be wearing, like, a Kansas City Chiefs jacket or something. It's crazy. And then they were seen in a car, and they were at some restaurant. There was a TMZ picture that was floating around with, like, her arm around him or something. Like, go for Travis Kelsey, man. Hey. You know, like you shot your shot, you got it. That's gonna be the only time I'm talking about this, by the way. <laughs> I, I have to talk about it because that's what everybody else is talking about. That's my last time talking about Taylor Swift on this podcast and Travis Kelsey on this podcast, unless if something crazy happens, you know. But uh talk about the game real quick. Chicago Bears. Um I was a Justin Fields believer. I'm trying, I'm I'm still holding on to a little bit of hope. I don't think, I just don't think if his success is going to come from anywhere, it's not going to come from the Bears. Like, the Bears are a dumpster fire, and their offensive coordinator deserves to, like, I don't want anybody to get fired. But, like, he has not been very good Uh, with scheming and, you know, play design, calling plays. It's just not been there. Justin Fields hasn't been great either. He's been holding on to the ball for too long. He has been getting the ball out. And they kind of, you know, they kind of ran away from doing a lot of the stuff they were doing last year that was successful, which was run and like getting Justin Fields involved with his legs, getting him on the move, like running quarterback option or quarterback power, or, or running these like play action bootleg plays. Like they were not doing this type of stuff this year. They're not doing this, and they're trying to get Justin Fields to just be a drop back passer. Which is something he's still not there yet on, and I think they just got to get him, got to get him books where he's running the ball and whatnot. I can't believe we're gonna be watching Broncos Bears this week. This is gonna be an absolute dumpster fire of a game. Oh man, am I gonna be real interested in seeing what happens? Like, are we gonna be betting the under? I think the under's got to get bet on. Um, this is I me. Mean, this is a get back game though for the for the Bears' sake of things. If Justin Fields can can do it against this really poor Broncos defense. Like, maybe that gets a little bit of his confidence back, but obviously it's just not been good. Like, it's been a dumpster fire in Mahomes on the other side of things. I mean, he's the best quarterback in the league for a reason. I mean, he had one throw in this game where he, like, ran into the pressure, had, like, a jump pass, and threw it to the right side of the field, I believe, isn't hit and it was, like, towards the sidelines, this little tight window, drops it right in the bucket. And I believe it was to, like, Justin Watson, if I'm not mistaken. Like, guy's unbelievable. Like, I don't know. Who else is making that throw? Like, it's just an insane play. Like, he does it, like, once a week or, like, even more than that. It's insane Uh, what Mahomes can do. But, yeah, Kansas City's a wagon. Their defense is playing good. I think they're starting to, like, put it together, and that's definitely scary for the rest of the AFC without question. Cowboys, Cardinals, um... Okay, shout-out to the Cardinals. Um, Maybe you're going to be a little bit better than three wins. I thought Jonathan Gannon was a fraud, and I'm not going to say that he isn't a fraud yet because it's just one game, but this was a great performance. Like, I think this was – this had Trap Game written all over it. You know, for the Cowboys, like, going into Arizona, playing a team that's – You know, really got nothing. Like they're just playing. Like they're not going to be a good team this year. They're just gonna. Maybe they're going to be a little bit more competitive than I think with. You know this roster. Josh Dobbs played pretty good. A pretty good game. Like. Cowboys weren't really able to get a lot of pressure too. I mean, that may be a shout out to the to the uh, Cardinals offensive line. They only give up eight pressures on this Cowboys front. And losing Trayvon Diggs is a big loss because you're not like Trayvon Diggs is a really good corner. He's been more walked down uh, prior to a couple years ago where he gave up like the most yards in the NFL, but he had all those picks. He's become a little bit more disciplined and he's been playing, he was playing really good football last year. He's had a good start to the season. Losing him to a torn ACL is an absolute massive loss. And I think Stefan Gilmore has looked a little bit, a little bit washed. Uh, He's had, he's had a couple of rough plays, So the corner position is going to be something in Dallas. We got to really watch out for because that's a big loss, um, not having Trayvon Diggs out there. And, you know, now, like I said, like, uh, if they can just get after the quarterback, they'll be fine. But they really didn't get after the quarterback a whole lot in this game. Like eight pressures for this team against this offensive line is not a lot, especially when other teams had like 15, 16 pressures this week. Eight's not a ton. And, you know, that's just not gonna get it done. Dak Prescott in the offense. Brutal interception thrown in the red zone. He had two turnover worthy plays. Uh he was pressured thirteen times. Good shot the Cardinals. I mean they played a pretty good game. They had Rondell Moore in the backfield a couple plays, which I was like, ooh, that's pretty interesting. I like that. As was a big Rondell Moore guy coming out, uh when he was coming out of Purdue. Um like to see him more, get more a little bit more involved in the offense, but Yeah, I mean, this was a a pretty great performance for the Cardinals. Like, hey, maybe they're going to be a little bit better than I thought they would. Um, I mean, I was like three wins. This is a three-win team without question, three wins. Could be a little bit better. And they can be like, if they can just stay afloat for a little bit and can just kind of, you know, again, like I said, stay afloat for a little bit and be a team that can win, you know, like I don't know like they maybe they're gonna be like three and four by week seven or week eight or whatever like maybe that's like an opening for Kyler Murray to come back like and maybe they're gonna be a little bit better than that so they're not totally dead in the water yet I mean, the win like this is a huge one for this team and you know and I don't know when Kyler Murray's gonna come back for the Cardinals but like I said, if they can just stay kind of competitive and stay afloat for the most part, like maybe they can kind of put things together here, and uh, you know, maybe they can actually uh, place. You know, maybe they can get Kyler back and actually maybe be a team that could be a little bit more competitive. Like, I don't know. It's interesting to look watch out for though. But Dallas, yeah, this is a brutal loss for them. I mean, they were riding high. You know, forty to zero win against the Giants, a blowout victory against the Jets the week prior, and then just dropping this one's a big one. Uh, you don't, you can't lose these games. You can't lose these games against this inferior competition. You got to get the job done. And now the Patriots play the Cowboys, so maybe we kind of caught Dallas slipping a little bit. And the last time we played Dallas, it was pretty competitive. I remember that was that game in overtime. C. D. Lamb caught the touchdown. Now they're having Trayvon Diggs. Maybe our wide receivers can step up here and give Matt Jones some, you know, some good, some good throwing lanes and some good, you know, some good cushion over there. Uh, we will see, though. I want to talk briefly. <laughs> Honestly, I just want to talk about the Raiders and Josh McDaniels because I'm sitting, I'm watching this game. I'm like, okay, Raiders have a chance. They're going down the field. Can they go down and try tying this game up? with the touchdown two-point conversion. I'm watching. I'm like, all right, oh, they're going to be, why are they attempting a 40 or a 50-yard field goal here? Like, they got to go down the field and try and win this game or tie this game up. They get lucky, penalty. They keep going. And they're like, what, at the 10-yard line? They're like inside of the red zone. And it gets a fourth down. I'm like, all right, they got to go for it. You're in, you're in great position here. Try and get a touchdown. You know, you're in the best field position you could possibly be in. Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels decides to kick a field goal. And I'm like, and I was, it was some stat, and it was like, every time that that's been the situation, a team has gone for it. Josh McDaniels is the first coach in the history of the NFL to kick three. And I'm like, what is he doing? Because they get a, they're going to stop them, and then they still need to go down and score a touchdown. Like, you're, so you're just going to be given a defense that's not very good. You know, you're going to try to put your full trust in them to get a stop, and listen, you're going to have to burn your timeouts. You're gonna, they're going to burn time, and then, you know, they're going to pump the ball to you, and then you got to go the length of the field and score a touchdown. Like, why are you not going for it? It blew my mind. It was like the craziest coaching decision I've ever seen in my life. One of them. So Josh McDaniels, I think his times are coming up at some point because that's a play that gets you fired. Like, I, I mean, that is like, why are you kicking a field goal right there? Like, what are you freaking doing? Like, I, I don't know. It was just bizarre. It was a bizarre situation. I was blown away that he that his that that team literally kicked a field goal in that situation where you're already so close to the end zone like try and t- get a touchdown and try and just go for the two point conversion like you could do that if you don't get the two point conversion okay get a stop and then get the field goal or something it was it was bizarre it was a bizarre situation it was a, a failure of epic proportions and. I just want to talk about like, I just want to say Josh McDaniels is an absolute buffoon for kicking that field goal. Like it was just the craziest freaking thing ever. um, One of the craziest things ever. And it was just, I was just blown away. I was so, so blown away at why they kicked that field goal. It just made no sense to me. um, And yeah, I mean, honestly, we'll wrap it up with Bengals Rams. I don't have too much to say about Eagles Buccaneers. I thought, you know the Eagles defense played great, and I thought that maybe that the uh the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense wasn't that great. and I thought the Eagles offense as a whole wasn't that great either, except the running game was really good still. but um yeah, If we want to talk about Bengals Rams real quick Bengals this was a a, a get back game for them. They still didn't really play a whole of like a they really didn't play great in this game. I thought Joe Burrow, I think there was clear signs of him not being healthy. He was missing throws he would usually make. Like this it's definitely this calf. It's you know him, you know, putting the pressure on it to kind of torque and throw the football. It's hurting him and it's he's not getting the, the right accuracy on the ball because he was missing some throws and like this is the throw that he would make. So clearly it's still hampering him. Jamar Chase Welcome to the 2023 NFL season. 12 receptions, 241 yards. Big game finally for Jamar Chase. Uh, That was huge for me for fantasy football. And yeah, Joe Burrow, I think, clearly wasn't healthy. And it was a weird game script because they threw the ball, I think it was 32 times in the first half. I'm like, and they only ran it like seven times. I'm like, give Joe Mixon the ball. And Joe Mixon ended up having a pretty good game, like, He had, you know, he had 65 rushing yards and a touchdown. I mean, he played okay. It wasn't great. He averaged 3.4 yards per carry, yards after contact. He was, uh, he had 44 yards after contact. He had four missed tackles. Like, it was fine, but it was just a weird game script. Like, Joe Burrow's going to get himself killed and he gutted it out. He never, he didn't get injured. And, you know, when you're facing Aaron Donald and company, it's sometimes a little tough, but they played pretty good. And yeah, Matthew Stafford is, uh, He's, I think he's still back, man. I mean, he had a couple of interceptions. Logan Wilson had a couple, but you know, he some of the throws he was making, some of the, like the play calling by Sean McVay, like you can see it. I'm excited when Cooper Cup comes back into this offense of how they're gonna look because I mean Puka Nakua is kind of doing that role and he's doing it really good right now. But Cooper Cup coming back, that's gonna be super interesting to see how that plays out. But, um. Yeah, this was a big win for the Bengals because if you had gone 0-3 and the rest of your division is 2-1, it's huge, huge disadvantage already. Like, that's what, two games back that you're already putting yourself a hole in? Like, you can't go down two games um, in this division whatsoever. So this was a big win for them. Uh, Again, though, the game script was so freaking weird to watch. In that first half, they were just throwing the ball. 32 times to seven rushes with Joe Burrow on a calf injury. And he clearly was not hundred percent in this game. Like it was a weird one, but they got the job done. Bengals defense really played great. Like they played some good football. Um, they were getting after Matthew Stafford, Trey Hendrickson had a monster game on the defensive end of things. Like it just seemed like he was just getting a lot of pressure on Matthew Stafford. He had 10 pressures in the game, four he had two sacks, he had seven quarterback hurries. Like he played really good. So I get to give him credit where credit is due. And yeah, um big win for the Bengals though. You can definitely not go 0-3 and you gotta get a win and you know now you're gonna be playing against Tennessee. That's gonna be a tough one, but the Tennessee secondary is definitely susceptible um they're to giving up a lot of yards so that I mean, this Joe Burrow is going to have to air it out you know uh, Tennessee is a team that stops the run pretty well so we'll see what ends up happening with that but I think that's it for this week's episode of Rough in the Basket um hopefully Noah can come back soon you know I know he's been super busy with everything but that is okay holding it down hope you guys enjoyed this episode um. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at Rough the Basket. You can follow us on Instagram at Rough in the Basket. Follow me on Twitter at 13. Follow Noah on Instagram at mburn 37 Follow us on TikTok at Rough in the Basket. And uh, yeah, we will see you guys next week for more NFL stuff. Peace out.